When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List Podcast for all things Dynasty, Prospect, and Minor League related. I'm your host, Lamar Gibson. And I'm your host, Jake Mache. And today we are joined by Lucas Berry. Uh, Lucas, uh, I'm going to tee things up so you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I love what you guys do for dynasty players and people that want to learn more about prospects and uh, minor league systems, seeing how those trends work and how you can apply those to your leagues. So excited to join into the fray and um, you can feel free to find my dynasty content at my website, DC dynasty. I focus on NFBC draft champions leagues and dynasty leagues in season. I'm going to do a dynasty fab article as well as redraft fab too. It's going to cover both. And I have uh, position player tiers and some starting pitching ranks put up there, too, if you wanted to check those out before your big drafts. Perfect. Perfect. So is the perfect time. I I know I see on several different discords that I'm in, everybody's always looking for what's the best, um, you know, resources where I can find these rankings, who can I go to. So we have uh, uh, yet another great resource uh, with DCDynasty.co for you guys to visit. And we'll make sure that we have it linked up in the show notes for you, of course. Um, so before we get into our subject, and our subject today is going to be um, hidden gems from the hitting side. So last week, uh, Matt Heckman was so gracious to join us, um, and we talked about hidden gems from the pitching side. Today, we're going to talk about position players, and we have a list of six names. We've got two apiece uh, with all three of us here um, that we're going to go through. Some folks that we're hoping are and thinking that they're going to rise in some value for us from the prospect standpoint for deep dynasty league so this is uh for you folks that are in those 16 teamers and and larger um kind of a podcast that you probably want to pay attention to hopefully some names that you might know uh hopefully some names that that maybe you you don't know um before we get into that though just talking about this week in baseball uh big the biggest news probably from wbc obviously uh the injury to edwin diaz and that set off a whole firestorm uh that we're not going to wade into but um, I know that's kind of the biggest news for our intensive purposes from a dynasty standpoint. I'm going to kick things off uh, and I'm going to be biased today, guys. I'm, I'm going to just tell you today is a Lamar is biased day. So everybody I'm talking about is going to be people that I already have rostered on some team. <laughs> I'm just going to be out front with it. So my first bias point is talking about Reed Detmers and Reed Detmers and his up velocity on his fastball, as well as up velocity on a slider. Um, had a really good outing um, uh, a couple days ago. Let's see, we're recording on Saturday. I think it was Thursday, I want to say, um, that he had a really good outing on. And then even before then, we were getting some reports of his velocity ticking up. So I'm excited about that. I'm happy to see what that will look like in the regular season. But I'll throw it around. Jake, uh, what was something that stood out to you? And, and welcome back, by the way, Jake. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be back. It was uh, 
um, kind of sad sitting out last weekend. Didn't have anything to do with myself, you know. But um, good to be back. And um, I think I was really it was really fun to watch um, some of these prospects that we've kind of been talking about in the WBC, you know, in something that's so high stakes. Um, like the one uh, couple that stood out to me was like Team Canada had a couple of good guys. They had, you know, Edward Julian and uh, Bo Naylor. And so both of them had, you know, had a homer um, in the game I watched the other day and they played really well. I think um, I watched like Bo Naylor took a, a curveball on the other, outer half of the plate and like drove it over the left center field fence in Arizona, which is like a really huge part of the ballpark. And mm-hmm. he just like flicked it out there. And that was really impressive to see. So, um, you know, watching those guys kind of compete at, at a really high level. Um was really fun. Um, that's like really just one of the best parts about the WBC is getting people from like literally all levels of of professional baseball in the world to to do that. So that was good to see. I think that was kind of like the the biggest thing for me this last week is like watching the WBC. Um, that's been awesome. Lucas, anything that uh that that stood out to you from spring training, from WBC, or or just anything else baseball related? Uh, to be honest, don't really have that one singular event that I can outline, but just really trying to follow uh, injuries since some players are reportedly behind. Uh, other players um, could crack that that roster spot. You know, for example, Jorge Polanco, he he might not be ready opening day. So I'm just trying to kind of follow that type of news. Yeah, yeah, no, that's and and even though um, obviously Polanco himself, obviously not. Um, prospect related but that sort of following that sort of news to your point Lucas is um, you know really important when you're thinking about position battles when you're thinking about how guys on the dynasty uh, and, and the prospect and I should say really start to stack up because those sorts of things create some openings um, you never know who can get Wally pipped right all it takes is for a guy to be down a couple weeks oh we'll just throw this other younger guy in you know placeholder whatever and you never know what what might happen and all of a sudden it, it reconfigures um an entire team and, and it could reconfigure uh your league if if somebody really catches fire and we've seen it happen um pretty much i i think we can probably go back and think of an instance like that happening just about every year especially recently um where somebody got injured even if it wasn't serious injury just you know hey we're going to rest them for a week or two or maybe out a month and then some younger guy you know gets put in their place and just takes off running so um so yeah injury news is always important to know obviously for just general roster management but for um knowing what's going on with your prospects as well so that's a good point um so with that being said uh what we're going to do is we're going to throw it to lucas first I'm going to let you hit lead off, I guess. Um, you got a couple names here. One name, I, I do not know this person, and I love a name. We had this last week with, with Matt. I love it. I don't know this person. I want you to talk about this person. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you, Lucas. Who are your two uh, hidden gems as position players? Yeah, so when we were out at First Pitch Arizona this year, um, I got a chance to kind of interact with a, a scout from the American League East and kind of got a chance to ask him some questions. And, of course, someone asked, who, who are you looking for for the next Julio Rodriguez, which he shot down that that's not going to happen, obviously. Right. Most everyone knows that. But 
he did answer the question, uh, and he threw out two guys from the Cleveland organization, and one of them was Wilfredo Antunes. Um, he's a player that did suffer a bit from the pandemic uh, since he didn't get a chance to get his professional career started uh, until last year at the complex, but he did walk more than he struck out. And as far as his future value, he is a, you know, a 50 hit, 50 game power who could potentially stick in center field. Uh, he has a medium build, which is, which could allow him to stick in that center field range. But uh, we've clearly seen Cleveland do well as far as their organizational development. Um, so he's a player that I think could be available uh, in fab as far as some leagues. Um, and he's a guy that once he gets assigned to affiliated ball this year, if he starts putting up good statistics, I think the buzz will grow greatly for Wilfredo Antunes. Uh, so, yeah, so Antunes is a guy that not, do not know this name. Uh, and it's very interesting coming from Cleveland. Uh, when I think about Cleveland, obviously I'm thinking about pitching, but the second piece that I'm thinking about is um, they tend to have like a glut of um, international guys, especially in the middle infield, mm -hmm. right? Second base, shortstop, maybe a third baseman that they tend to just have a pipeline coming from, um, you know, Colombia, Venezuela, um, the Dominican Republic, uh, especially. So with Antunes outfielder, a little bit different, but it seems like kind of in a similar feel of like go out, not not a huge signing, right? Not a, didn't have to spend a whole lot of money on him, and just kind of take that lottery ticket and see what you can kind of build up. Um, so let me ask you this, Lucas, because you're, you're going to be our expert on on Antunes. Um, starting off this year, do you see him in in low A? Do you see him in high A? Um, where where do you see him starting out? Is he is he going to repeat maybe complex ball just to make sure he gets a, a full season? Like where do you see him starting things off? Yeah, so uh, an injury did cut his, his season a little bit short last year as far as his experience. Uh, so that's certainly a, not a positive, but I would say that uh, the level that he, he made it to last year as far as, uh, as far as that low A level, I think that they'll have him kind of uh, start out there. Um, but if, if he continues to produce, uh, I think that they could kind of move him along quickly. But um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Jake, are you familiar with Wilfredo Antunes at all? No, no, not at all. Not, not until uh, the prep for this podcast came up. But, um, but no, I like, I like the call. And he's, he's like you mentioned, Lucas, like he was you know, pretty derailed by the pandemic season and, and was slow going in his development. And so he's already, I think he's already 20 years old. Um, and so he's someone who could move up pretty quickly if he does like show those gains, you know, starts at low A. Um, you know, I think like, you know, if he has, um, if he kind of has that uh, boost in development, then I think that he could, you know, be up quicker than someone who we usually look at that, that has less than like 200 plate appearances and um, hasn't made it really beyond low A yet. So, um, you know, could be a quick riser and he's shown fantastic plate discipline, which you always love to see. Um, looking at a fan graphs page, he pulls the ball a lot, you know, which is, which could be good. Um good home run to fly ball ratio. So kind of like looks, has like those little tantalizing skills there that could develop more. And um, someone who I never probably would have seen um, if not for this. So yeah, great call out there. I'm I'm curious. I know you don't have the other person on the list, but I'm just generally curious. Who was the other position player from Cleveland that the scout highlighted? Yeah. Uh, so the other, the other player that's, that this scout did highlight, 
Um, and these guys, just for me personally, to give the, the use case, I was able to grab them up in the fourth, fifth round and a lot of first year players since they're not a big name. So kind of played chicken with them, but it's uh, Angel Ganawa, uh, Genoa. I've seen now that name I've seen. I don't know mm-hmm. a lot about him, but I've seen the name. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's another guy that uh, he's an up the middle player, of course, and he's a middle infielder. Um, switch hitter. I love, I love that. And it's going to provide value with his glove. Um, and he, he also had a, a cup of coffee with, with Lynchburg as well, but um, he's another guy where he's two years younger. So that's a nice benefit for him. And he's, he ranks a bit higher on the fan graphs prospect list. Um, but yeah, I think another huge selling point for these two players for me is that I trust Cleveland's development obviously more for pitching, but I think their hitting is excellent too. That's how they're able to run such a low payroll and mm-hmm. still uh, contend for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they got, they got some guys, right? Oscar Gonzalez looked um, pretty good. I know he had some, some flaws, but overall he, he looked good. Obviously Stephen Kwan, um, they, they, something changed. I think uh, swing wise with him uh, that last year that he was in double A AA to triple A before he got that promotion that really drove his power. I mean, he's obviously not going to be, you know, a 20 home run guy, but just his ability to hit the ball a lot harder than what he had been in college and in the early part of his pro career, that did wonders for him. And and something that you highlighted, Lucas, about uh, Genoa and a lot of the guys in the pipeline uh, when it comes to position players for Cleveland, all uh, most of them tend to be very solid, if not very good defensively. So mm-hmm. the glove piece sticks and it's just like, hey, if we can get anything from the bat, We'll find something. And that's how it was with, with Quan. You knew he could run. You knew he could play the outfield. He can play, you know, two to three positions. He can play left and play center. He doesn't have much of an arm for right. But you knew that was fine. It was just, hey, can he hit the ball hard enough at a major league level? And once he unlocked that that change in his, his mechanics, boom. You see, you know, he was, for a minute there, he looked like the runaway rookie of the year um, in the early part of the season and, and still finished up very well. So, um, yeah, they, they have even though we think of them again, pitching first, just like you said, and what I was thinking, there are some um, examples of, especially some recent examples of some uh, Cleveland guardians that have uh, uh, position players that have been able to come internally and uh, come up through the ranks and, and produce. So, um, so Antunes, uh, Genoa, uh, that's uh, those, again, two names that I agree with Jake. I would not have thought of, did not know, um, so let's get to your, your proper second person that you have on your list. Um, this person I do, uh, I have seen, I am a little bit more familiar with, um, but who's your second hidden gem as a hitter? Absolutely. And with this, with this player, he's a little different from, from Genoa and Antunes because those guys, I would, I would add them to my team right away. And I would, I would just keep, a, keep monitoring their production all year. And if, even if they do struggle a lot, don't be afraid to turn them over and move on because they're high upside, they're high variance. They could easily flop. That's why they're going to be very cheap additions. Uh, but this, and but they have a higher ceiling too, uh, just more variance overall. This player, uh, an infielder for Tampa Bay, Cooper Kenny, he was actually a first round uh, talent. He was the 34th overall pick in 2021, but he missed that campaign uh, due to a shoulder issue that pretty much forced him to miss the whole year. Um, so you're getting a discount, uh, because of that injury. Um, 
and he's a big he's a big left-handed bat who could either play at third base or second base depending on how his body fills out and as far as that that left-handed frame he does have not only a solid advanced field to hit but he has some power potential um so he could be a 50 hit 50 power bat that's um uh, stays in the infield so i don't think that the upside is particularly huge but i think he could be a solid contributor and you're going to be able to get him for fab dollars uh, because like I said, he missed the whole year last year. Most people did not keep him since we don't have IL spots for minor leaguers. Uh, and last but not least, similar to Cleveland, uh, Tampa Bay has done a great job developing infielders uh, and hitters in general. Well, really all positions, but uh, that's another nice selling point is that you get a piece of the Tampa Bay development pipe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jake, I'm going to throw to you in a second. I, the only thing I have to add here, or I guess maybe not to add, but a question is you know you're talking about less variance than uh your your cleveland guys that you were highlighting which i definitely agree is there any concern about like while tampa has that developmental pipeline and that developmental history that we like there's also the concern about like how they platoon guys and they're mixing matching do we worry like is there a um a ceiling a lower ceiling that gets put on somebody like kenny as well just because of what we've seen Tampa ten, tending to do with a lot of their, um, a lot of their prospects, um, unless they're, you know, a, a superstar guy or, or superstar in the making type guy, a lot of those prospects, it does get, they do get platooned or kind of moved around in and out of the lineup. So is there, is that kind of added baked into how you're valuing um, Cooper Kenny? Uh, that's certainly a great thing to think about since it's a huge factor. Um, but I think it's one of those things where if that becomes a problem, that's a good problem to have mm. because what you're wanting is, is you're just wanting somebody that's going to grow in their value so you can have them to be able to trade or continue to monitor. Uh, and the benefit of rostering a player on Tampa Bay or on the Los Angeles Dodgers is they're going to get much more premium development. However, once they start knocking on that door, like a Michael Bush, then the playing time becomes more trickier. But you'll have had that time, if they're hitting well, to trade them off in your league. Every rebuilding team, you know, can use more bats uh, or a team that decides to rebuild. They they always are going to want your bats. So that's, that's why it's important to get those guys more than your pitchers more often than not. But, um, yeah, down the road it could be an issue, but you're getting the premium development advantage. But um, whenever the guys graduate, I find it to be more of an issue. Got you. Jake, what are your thoughts on Kenny? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with the with the Rays and the Guardians, I think bo- all, both of these prospects that we've talked about kind of like really fit like the organization really well. Because like we talk about, you know, the Guardians is like a very fast team, very contact oriented, like very good pure hitters, um, you know, and that more fits uh, the first guy there. And then um, this guy with Cooper Kenny, we have more of like a power hitter, a lefty. Uh, the Rays are like a barrel machine. Um, they know how to get guys to get to their power. They just did it with like Isak Paredes who came over from the Tigers um, who like really got to his power by pulling fly balls and hitting those balls really well, you know? So it's like they work really well with, with player swings and getting to power. However, it makes sense for them. You they know, haven't figured the out for Yandy Diaz though. That's their, that's their <laughs> one that they're still trying to work on. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's right. Hey, hey, 
the Andy Diaz is like the puzzle of the the whole the whole thing. You know right? that they have like a whole a department of, of guys that are just like this is the year we're going to figure it out this year. <laughs> yeah. They have they probably have someone they probably hired someone just for Andy Diaz like that's like a corner of the office space. Um, but yeah, so it's like I, th- I like the Rays to be able to to develop him and like, I mean you look what you did with they did with similar players like um, Curtis Mead who like I think is probably the upside here. So. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it'll be good. Um, and like like Lucas said, you're you're getting these guys at this when we're talking about these really deep dynasty players. Um, you're probably not going to carry them throughout their whole career. You know, you might flip them um, to get someone else at some point. You're just kind of accruing value at this deep. Um, so it's like, don't be too um, focused on like, oh, I have to get this guy and see it through. I have to like, yes, if I take if I take him, I keep him all the way through. Like you. Um, these last kind of spots on your roster, these last like minor league spots, you can flip and and when the next guy comes up. So, um, you know, these are just kind of like not quite shots in the dark because we have, you know, things that we like about them and whatnot. But um, very, you could be very quick to flip them or drop them and get someone else. And you're just kind of looking for something that's like, OK, I can see how that will translate into value later. Right. For someone, you know, so. Um, so, yeah, we've all seen how. Matt Mervis is a premium example. He was not heard of until August last year by most players. And then the next thing you know, he goes in the top 200 in some redraft leagues. Uh, obviously, that's probably not going to happen here with, with a couple of my guys. But if you can pick them up for free, hold them. And then once, you know, June, July rolls around, if they have good hitting stats, you might be able to turn them into an SP4, SP5 that you could not get off waivers. Then you go back, you listen to a podcast like On the Farm or look at DC Dynasty. You refill that slot and you rinse repeat and that's how you can build up a juggernaut yeah it, can you imagine if you traded matt mervis like during the afl last year <laughs> oh my gosh like yeah he, it, it's kind of cooled off now and i think we're a little yeah. bit more realistic but like over the offseason there were some times where matt mervis was getting like kyle manzardo and yeah uh, mm-hmm. vinnie pasquantino levels of hype yeah. you know every everybody was most people i shouldn't say everybody but most people would seem to be in love with this guy from a from a fantasy and specifically from a dynasty standpoint. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, that's dead on. And it's so funny because you were saying that, Lucas, and I was like, yeah, you're really just talking to me because that's my, that's my bugaboo is if I grab a guy, I'm like, but if I get to say that I've held him this long mm-hmm. and then he turns into a star, don't I look so smart? And it's like, but you also look like an idiot when you're wasting a roster spot and you could have dropped them or flipped them and actually improved the actual team. Because again, the lesson that I have to keep repeating to myself is prospects, you know, prospecting is fun and it's cool, but like, that's not how you actually win your fantasy league. You don't win by having the most prospects or the best prospects. You need people that actually are on major league teams to contribute stats for you to win your fantasy league. Um, so like a thank fun you side for, quest. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's a fun side quest. There you go. So uh, thank you for, for reiterating that lesson to me, Lucas. I appreciate that. Um, before we jump into the break and we're going to head into that before we cover uh, my hitters and Jake's hitters. I know you, you mentioned Michael Bush and I know off mic we were talking about him. Um, he's not really a, a hidden gem. I think most Dynasty uh, players should know Michael Bush, but I know you wanted to highlight him real quick, Lucas, because you're a fan. Um, what are some bullet points that you want to run down on Michael Bush? Yeah. Um, so as far as, as far as Bush goes, 
and I'm sure you guys have seen this a lot over the years playing Dynasty. Players just become less interesting as they've been in the ether for a while. And that's certainly the deal with Bush in my mind. Um, last year, he had 142 games in the minor leagues, and he, he led the minors in runs scored with 118 runs. And part of that's due to his elite walk rate and his on-base percentage. So you're going to be getting that in the major leagues. Even if you play in an average league, those runs scored will still count for you. Um, he's probably viewed at by some people as kind of just a heavy strikeout guy who walks a lot. But in my mind, he does have an underrated hit tool as well. Obviously, it's not a Stephen Kwan type of hit tool, but I think he's got enough there to make his patient approach work. And he has 60 grade raw power, too. Obviously, the question is going to be his opportunity, his playing time, and even his position, since he's a bad second baseman and the shift rules are going to hurt him. But a player like this, I don't want to say he can't miss, but this is a high probability big leaguer that has a strong walk rate and has a little bit of, has some room to grow as far as power. Um, and like I said, since he's been around for such a long time, I think people have soured on him. So I tried to get Bush in trades in a few leagues and I would do this, you know, I would highly recommend doing that. Sounds good. Sounds good. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and then we're going to talk through uh, the hitters that I've highlighted as well as Jake um, to complete our hidden gems for position players. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, and we are back. So again, um, I'm going to uh, hit second here. So I have a couple of guys, and again, um, I'm admitting all bias uh, up front. 
these are players that I roster. So yes, I'm heavily invested in their success and looking again, like a smart person, like I know what I'm talking about, uh, even though I think we all know that I don't. Um, so the first person I want to highlight is Oakland A's uh, outfielder, and that's Lawrence Butler. Um, Lawrence Butler and Hidden is kind of relative, and, and I'll talk about why um, based on his 2023 spring training. But he's uh, 22 years old. He was drafted in 2018 as a 17-year-old um, out of high school, so so pretty young um, as far as his draft age. Grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Grew up with Michael Harris II. Um, so, you know, if you're into those sorts of connections, you saw what Michael Harris II did. Who knows? Um, but I, what I thought was interesting was just looking at his path. He played in the the now defunct uh, New York Penn uh, League, the short season league in 2019. So he did log a little bit of time before the pandemic um, between t- uh, 2018. He played rookie ball 2019, the short season. So again, very young guy, 17, 18. He's playing some some pro ball. Pandemic hits. Uh, comes back in 2021, logs uh, 450 plate appearances between low and high A, and obviously um, those levels and teams have been recalibrated by then, but gets you know pretty much a season's worth of plate appearances between two levels. And then he jumps into 2022, uh, spent most of his time in high A. Uh, there was about, uh, I want to say it was like three games, like nine at-bats that he had at low A um, to repeat 2022. I didn't include this. And looking at his stat line, um, so the stat line that I'm about to give is all his high A numbers. But he put up 270, 357, 468 as the triple slash, 19 doubles, 11 homers, 41 RBI, 52 runs, 13 stolen bases. This guy can move if you look at him. Um, he is he is a incredible athlete, and that's a big part of why uh, I'm a fan. Um, at high A, uh, 128.5 WRC plus. 12% walk rate. He did have a 32% K rate. That is very high. Obviously, it's unsustainable. Um, so you're looking at that plus the walk rate, looking at his average and on base. Obviously, as he gets into those high minors, double A, triple A, something has to give there. When I looked at his swing and strike um, at the high A level, wasn't super high, wasn't as low as you would like to see, obviously. Um, it was around 14, 15%. So on the higher side, um, and to me, I think, again, if you think about how young he is from a professional standpoint and how, again, truncated his or, or, or bifurcated, I guess is the proper word, his uh, pro career has been. I think there's just a lot of sort of um, hitter immaturity there. Right. Like he's just having to learn exactly how to be a little bit less aggressive in spots. If you watched him play and this gets into why he may not be as hidden as he was. Um, in the AFL, uh, he it seemed like every time he was at bat uh, or in the field, it was something highlight related. Like, again, he kind of plays the game with his hair on fire. Um, in some ways, he actually kind of reminds me not not the player profile, but the type of play kind of reminds me of how Joey Weimer was in the 2021 AFL, where it was just like everything he did, he did at 110%, right? Like he's throwing the ball, the, like he's throwing the ball from, uh, from right field Weimer was, and it was like, you know, one of the hardest throws ever. He's hitting the ball and it's going all over the place. He's running all over the field. Um, Butler kind of reminds me of that. Like every time he's playing, he's playing all out. And that just, I, I just think that that's a, a interesting and, and sort of attractive profile to a player. Um, in the AFL, he went 13 for 54, three doubles, two home runs. The things that struck out to me was um, six or seven stolen bases. So, again, the, the kid can run. 
um, 15 and 15 as far as K's to walks. So again, a little bit more even, a good number of strikeouts, but able to work a walk as well. And then in spring training, he logged some time with um, the A's uh, at Major League Spring Training before getting uh, sent to minor league camp. And 11 for 20, four doubles, a home run, uh, two stolen bases, four walks, three strikeouts. So I see a profile of a guy who um, also played in the Futures game. I forgot to highlight that. Played in the Futures game uh, last season. So I just see a guy that um, I expect to be in double A sometime this year. I think I I could see him possibly starting at high A again um, just to get the year started, but quickly getting into double A. In an average league, you know, I could see that average definitely going down because I think strikeouts are going to be a part of his game. But I see a guy who's starting to just kind of learn how to be a better hitter, kind of at bat over at bat, plate appearance over plate appearance. And so he's just, he's a guy who has that 2020 potential, right? Uh, even if he does have a lower batting average that I'm just, I'm interested in. And again, kind of like what Lucas was talking about with with his folks, you can get him for pretty cheap. Um, and all he really has to do, even if he doesn't ever meet that potential, all he has to do is continue to show some steps towards that potential. And there's the value right there. Um, I think with Oakland, you kind of have, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because they obviously don't have the track record of some of the teams we've talked about before. But at the same time, that also means that there's a lot of space for movement because they don't have any prospects that are going to be blocking him. They don't have any players really at, at the major league level that are going to be blocking uh, his his progression. Um, so he's kind of in, in the driver's seat for his career of he could do really, really well and they could promote him quickly. Um, he could not do well and they move on to somebody else. But I mean, it's him, uh, Denzel Clark. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of some other guys that are kind of in the similar wave those are the, the kind of main two that i think of as far as like similar profiles outfielders really athletic guys i personally think um he's a little bit ahead of clark as far as what he can do um but that that's 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 my my first guy i don't know if if either one of you have any thoughts about butler yeah i think uh i like the joey weimer comp uh because he like really seems like a similar profile you know like i uh, I recently actually traded Joey Weimer in a league uh, for Spencer Torkelson, um, and when I when the trade went through, it, the first thing someone said in the chat was, "Well, if Joey Weimer could ever like consistently make contact, he's going to soar." Um, I personally didn't have the patience for it, but I think it's a really similar situation here, where it's like, "Well, if he can ever make the contact, like every everything else is there." He takes his walks, um, you know. He has good power, has good extra base, you know, extra base um, proclivity there. Um, speed like he's looks like a really good hitter it's just then that you look at the strikeout rate and it's like ah okay there it is um so um you know and it's like i've said before like if you can take your walks as well it's not as bad like lucas just mentioned like if you can get on base you're more likely to score runs you know um that's like a big part of the game it's like you get on base any way you can if you happen to strike out a little bit like you can make up for that in other ways still needs it does need to go down but i like the weimer comp and i think that um the improvements can be made And then, um, you know, also, I think it's really easy to kind of look at this and be like, okay, like he's a 21 year old. He hasn't made it above high A, hasn't gotten a double A yet. Um, You know, maybe he's a little bit behind. Don't know what the organization thinks of him. He's been in the org for a few years. Um, But, you know, the org just sent him to the Arizona Fall League. They, you know, he was in the Futures game. He was in Major League Camp this spring. Seems like they're trying to get him to that next level. Like you said, 
as someone who's kind of continually developing, getting better with the at-bats, like I feel like we're about to see that next push forward. And then that's when he's going to, then that's where we're going to see like, okay, has he been able to make those changes? You know, what's the realistic outlook here? Um, And so I think that we're going to know pretty quickly uh, once he gets into double A and gets kind of like a big sample there. Um, So I I don't think the org is necessarily low on him. I think with, you know, the pandemic and everything and and with what they've done, you know, over the last few years outside of just promoting him to double A looks like they have confidence in him and, um, you know, we'll definitely want to see what he does there at, at double A and he could, uh, he could take off if he starts putting things together. Yeah. I got a chance to, uh, kind of see him at the Arizona fall league. And I, I, I obviously know most of the players there and there's a lot of no, nobody's there, no offense, but I was kind of just watching the game and I saw this really slender, sleek, really guy who looked way more athletic than anybody else and just stood out on the field, had that on-field presence. And I kind of looked, Oh, that's Lawrence Butler. So that really caught my eye just because he had that kind of look. And just based on what you guys said, he has that power speed. I mean, Fangraphs went out on a limb and gave him a 70-grade future raw power. So that's going to increase the elite upside as far as power. Um, But one thing that is a tricky aspect to him, but like you said, the team is going to give him chances, is defensively his home is kind of a nomad. Mm -hmm. But I like the phrase that you had used Lamar, as far as he has some immaturity. Um, That's the thing that we need to remember as fantasy owners and people that don't watch that much minor leagues, such as myself. I watch mostly MLB games is that these guys sometimes don't really know what they're doing that well. Uh, They don't, they don't play the field as well as major leaguers, not even close. And uh, you know, just more seasoning in the minors. He has the tools. He just needs to improve on those swing decisions and contact rates. And um, you know, I, I can't say that he's going to turn into this guy, but there's a chance he could have some Tyler O'Neill type of outputs if he reaches his highest potential. Yeah, I think, um, and, and I want to be very clear because I'm, I'm already, I don't want to get onto a whole soapbox about this, but I'm always very sensitive when uh, from the fantasy community, we talk about like terms like immaturity. I want to be super clear with what I mean. So I'm not talking about him as as a person or personality. I don't know him. But I just want to be very clear to the audience when I'm talking about immaturity, that literally just means like the number of at bats that he's gotten as a hitter and just learning exactly what Lucas was saying, like how to make better swing decisions, how to how to figure out how to get, um, you know, pitches that are in his wheelhouse versus chasing after um, pitchers pitches. So I just want to be really clear because I think sometimes that term can get thrown out and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So mm-hmm. I just want to be really clear about what I mean. I don't know Lawrence Butler as a person. Uh, I, I've started to follow him on Twitter. From Twitter, he seems like a cool guy, but that's all I know. I'm talking about him as a hitter, um, being more disciplined, uh, getting a better understanding of, of how he should be uh, having an approach in the batter's box and being slightly less aggressive in, in some spaces. I think that that would help um, with that K rating. And like you uh, were highlighting, Jake, with the contact or, or lack thereof that, that sometimes shows up. Um and you were talking, Lucas, you, you highlighted the positionality or, or maybe lack thereof. And I actually thought it was interesting that he was labeled as an outfielder because I think he has kind of moved around. He's played some outfield. I think uh, he's played some first base as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where he's going to potentially end up. And that is something that I always like to keep an eye out on. Um, again, I know, you know, hitting talent. It, it, the idea or the, at least the adages, you know, the talent will play, they'll figure out a way to, to put them in the, in the, in a spot. But um, I think when you 
especially if you think about just staying in Oakland, they have a lot of corner guys already um, of different skill set and skill level. They want to have a place for Tyler Soderstrom. You already have Shea Langoliers, who who is your catcher, but if you're giving him time off, then that's taking up a DH spot. Um, so you already have some pieces where they're kind of limited defensively and where they can go. Um, so you just want to be, you know, cognizant of another prospect that might also have some defensive limitations. But again, maybe that's also part of him just learning more about the game. Yes, um, that's what I was thinking because yep. he's like, like you said, like he's a developing player and he, he needs that experience. He needs that seasoning. And um, one last quick point I wanted to throw out there was he was listed on the fan graphs picks to click for uh, the top 100 for 2024. So you'd love to see a, a site like fan graphs, give him a shout out too. There you go. Uh, so moving off of Lawrence Butler into my second guy, I literally just, I, I added this person just so I could, just so I could do this. Do I just wanted to do the um the Axel theme from um Beverly Hills Cop. Um Axel Sanchez, shortstop for Seattle Mariners. Uh I, I played around with who my second person was gonna be and I threw Axel in the mix. I was having a conversation about um this player with somebody online uh um earlier this week and again I was letting that person know like i'm completely biased i'm in the tank for axel sanchez and kind of very similar to butler in the fact of he's shown just enough and i'll I'll give the rundown on him in a second but he's shown just enough to me at the lower minors to be interested and and just know like in another year or so if he hits the um when he when he gets to the high minors double a triple a etc um there's just enough there Physically, he's still maturing. He could add a couple inches, add a couple pounds that can help him uh, strength-wise with even more power. Uh, he's playing a premium position. He should be able to stick there. It, it's just enough there where I'm like, I could see it happen. And unlike Butler, um, Axel is in a, a, a farm system with Seattle that does have that track record, especially super recently, of um, really building guys up, especially when you look at the shortstop third base, um, you know, standpoint, Michael Arroyo was one, uh, Noel V Marte, obviously they traded him, but beforehand he was, uh, uh, another draft pit or another, um, signing, I should say that they did a great job of, of really kind of building up and, and building his value in part. That was why they were able to, to trade him, um, to the Reds. So Axel Sanchez, he's an uh, international signee in 2019. Um, his 2022, he, he played, um, a little bit of rookie ball in 21 and then his 2022 was combined between uh three levels his high a was a little odd and i think that that was really just him as a placeholder i think high a and i was trying to find some information i think the high a team actually just had an injury and they just needed um actually shortstop there because he started the season at high a before going to rookie ball and then low a um and that's kind of like atypical um, and it wasn't it, it wasn't that many games. So, anyways, his combined line, uh, 283, 365, 510 is the triple slash, 19 doubles, 10 home runs, 47 RBI, 42 runs, 13 stolen bases. Um uh one uh 154 at, at low A, where he spent most of the year, 154 WRC plus, 10% walk rate, did have the 28% K rate. So again, seeing young player 
higher K rate. We've talked about this on the show before. We like to see, you know, a little bit more margin for error, especially at the lower minors, but there's still enough there. 154 WRC plus. So he's, you know, 50% better than the league average. So you're likely to see that he's kind of outperforming his peers. Um, but the other thing that I like about Sanchez is defensively, uh, he looks to be very stout. He has the range for shortstop. He definitely has the arm. It looks like to to stick around as a major league shortstop. So that gives you a little bit of a floor there. And then it's just a matter of how he develops as a hitter. Um, does he add a little bit more strength to add some more power here? I think if he sticks in this rate, right, more doubles than homers, a few diff- uh, double-digit stolen bases thrown in, I think that that plays, but, you know, he's obviously not a star. That That's more of a nice utility bat to have. Um, but if we can start to see some more of those doubles turn into homers, if he can get into that 20 home run range um, and still maintain specifically that OBP and, and start to bring down the K rate just a little bit, even if it's just, you know, 2 or 3%, I start to think that this is a pretty interesting guy. Uh, so, I mean, that's, again, I'm biased. I'll, I'll say it a, a million times, but that's my thoughts about Sanchez. I don't know if either one of you have anything to add there. This player this player type, in my mind, is 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 a little bit more interesting in a 20-team league. I have two 20-team leagues because he's a big league shortstop as far as defensive value. And he's shown a, a lot of intriguing traits uh, as a 19-year-old uh, advancing up to high A. I know you said that they gave him – that run there because of injury, but it's a good promotion for him too. give him a good taste uh, of that level. Um, But like you said, that floor is going to be highly elevated due to the glove. And this is a team that's developed some high impact players. He has a cool name. That's going to make him more interesting in trade talks. I know that's an extremely stupid point, but it's true. (laughs) It just is going to interest people more than a Greg Jones from Tampa that we had seen a few years ago, you know, but uh, no, I, I like this call out, and I actually was going to potentially put him on my list, but you kind of beat me to him. Yeah, I mean, with the names, like how much, like I know Vinny Pasquantino is a pretty good baseball player, but he has a much better name, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, I mean, he had the whole, there was a whole debate about what his nickname was going to be, you know, Italian breakfast or Italian beef or whatever, you know, uh, and he's really leaned into that. So that's that's always cool to see. But um, another point that you made there, Lamar, that I thought was really interesting, just from kind of like a um, research perspective. So you mentioned that Axel Sanchez started the year at high A, then went to the complex league um, and uh, low A because, you know, there's an injury at high A and he needed to be there. When you look at like his Fangraphs page, Fangraphs shows the levels in like ascending order so it shows like complex then low a then high a and there's really no way to tell if there was like something out of order there and this obviously isn't the case for for most players it's not something that's going to come up super often but i just thought it was interesting that i had never really noticed that um, or seen a situation where that plays out Um, and i went to baseball reference and it's on the baseball reference page um kind of below the the standard box it says like when you know when he played for what team um, but I just thought that was an interesting point there that like he kind of had that unusual like ascension through through last year because of the, uh, um, you know, the injury and kind of the need. Um, but, yeah, I think like, again, that's not something that's like probably super common, um, but maybe something to be aware of, because like not something that I've ever really thought about is like sometimes it doesn't happen literally, literally, linearly. Yeah, yeah sure. There you go. Um, and, and so, you know, that could definitely affect it. Like, oh, man, like he wasn't very good at high A, you right. know. 
Uh, high A for a 19 year old in general, especially for a short sample, you never really know. But especially because he was just kind of like thrown in there. It's like, absolutely take that with a grain of salt. But like Lucas said, good that he was there, got the experience. If he maybe starts at high A next year, or gets moved up to high A pretty quickly. He'll already have that kind of like, um, you know, experience to call back on and uh, that can only help him. So just like interesting tidbit I noticed there. Yeah. And, and the only reason why I was able to, to call out and, and again, I, I'm not, I still haven't found exactly why he started. I, I'm thinking it's injury because that tends to be the case when you see like a short sample promotion. Um, I think about like Zach Geloff, uh, when he went to triple a from like low a out of nowhere. And it was really just because the triple a team didn't have any other shortstops. And so they just needed somebody. Um, so it tends to be injury related, but I couldn't find anything definitive. But the only reason why I, I knew anything at all was because I, I did a quick write up for Axel for minor league player of the week. Um, one of the pl- player of the week columns last season. And so in trying to dig in and find out, I was like, oh, that's weird that he started. And just looking at the game logs on fan graphs, because that'll be an, another place that you can find. If you look at game logs, it'll show level by level, the dates, et cetera. And I was like, okay, he starts at high A, but then they move him to rookie ball. Like, is that a bad thing? And just trying to put the puzzle pieces together. Um, he spent, again, most of the season at low A. And the other thing that I know about low A from watching through uh, MILB TV and just keeping up is low A um, – was at the California League, they have a lot of competitive teams. Like it, it's a lot of interesting talent there because you have uh, Modesto, that's Seattle's um, team. You have um, Fresno Grizzlies, that's uh, Colorado's team. So that's that's where like guys like Adio Amador were at. Um, Yankee Fernandez was there uh, for a little bit before he got promoted. Like there's a couple of different affiliates in in Low A that have some you know, interesting talent. It may not be top 100 guys, but they're definitely, again, in that sort of like second, third tier of some names that you want to keep in mind and, and, and it doesn't hurt to know and, and be mindful of. And so just seeing what he did in that level um, was also kind of just heartening to me um, to, to know, again, kind of performing or outperforming his peers. I will be interested to see where he does officially start his 2023 season. I would hope it is back at high A, um, to, to give him that taste at least soon to, to spend most of his year at high a. And that's where I really would be um, trying to pay attention to all the things that we just talked about with Butler, right? Swing decision. Um, is he hitting for more power? Is it more pull side or, or can he spray the ball around? Those sorts of things will kind of start to indicate to me where his ceiling really will be, because if he's not able to do all those things, the glove will still play. Um, so I think, again, he has more of that utility floor, but if he is able to start, you know, getting into that power and get it, uh, around the field, right. Not just pull side down the line, but I can go gap to gap and, and keep the speed and, you know, K rate maintains again, I, I start to think that there's a player there. So those are my two guys, Lawrence Butler, Axel Sanchez. I've talked enough. I'm throwing it to Jake. Who you got? All right. So, uh, first one I got here, um, I learned today that he is a bit of um, baseball, I don't want to say baseball royalty, but like maybe baseball, in the baseball family, um, and that's Matthew Lugo, uh, infielder for the Boston Red Sox. He's going into his age 22 season. He was a second round pick in 2019 out of the Carlos Beltran Baseball Academy. 
sounds interesting. That's probably because he was Beltran's nephew. Um, never heard of the Carlos Beltran Baseball Academy. It's in Puerto Rico um, until now. And I, I think it's a co- pretty good reason why he was there, considering his uncle owned it. Um, and he was drafted out of um, that academy, um, which was, I mean, essentially like a high school equivalent um, in 2019. He came in with a really quick, uh, simple swing that produced, um, you know, a good amount of line drives, way too many ground balls and his fly balls were not hit hard. Um, his fly balls came in like pop-ups and shanks, you know? Um, but he had good contact skills and, um, you know, he just didn't show any power. He played a, uh, just about a full season in low A in 2021, uh, four home runs, 15 stolen bases, 20% strikeout rate, and an ISO less than a hundred. It was 093. So pretty like, you know, he's like, okay, we have the contact skills. You know, we have the bat to ball swing looks all right, but he's just like not getting any extra base power here. He had a 95 weighted runs created plus. And sometimes we talk about these prospects and we're like, man, if you develop some power, like, oh, like his frame looks pretty good. Power's not in the game yet. Um, and then Matthew Lugo went and did it. Like what a dream come true um, for for people like us who just look at uh, box scores all day. Um, so he went and the worked with the Red Sox in the off season. And um, they worked to change his his swing path, his swing approach, because he was, you know, hitting is Reed Gragnani, who is the um, Red Sox minor league hitting coordinator, said that he was hitting all of his all of his hard hit balls on the ground. Um, and that was a problem. They wanted to change that. They wanted him to start hitting more, um, you know, line drives with authority, fly balls with authority and take a huge leap in power, which he did. He absolutely broke out in 22 in the power department. And um, after that breakout in 2022, he saw, um, you know, huge gains in the home runs. He had 18 home runs in um, just a few more played appearances in 2022 at high A. So he moved up a level, hit with more power, um, stole a little bit more bases. He stole 20 bases. Uh, the ISO went up from 093 to 212, and he slugged 500 and had a weighted ones created plus of 126. So, I mean, this guy like absolutely took off, like made some swing changes, worked with the major league, um, you know, the organization, the hitting coach, and like it made a great tweak. And his strikeout rate actually decreased. It went from 20% to 19.5%. Um, so he didn't really make any sacrifices in those contact skills that we really like, um, but he started optimizing, you know, the launch angle. He started hitting his, his hard hit balls in the air instead of on the ground. Um, his home run to fly ball ratio went from 4.7% to 12.4%. So then, I mean, you're looking at like, okay, like this is actually sustainable power. This is um, something that can be carried on from level to level. Uh, He made the tweak. It made some really good, really good gains there. And um, now we're talking about someone who, you know, can be an impact offensively because defensively, you know, he wasn't, um, wasn't too great at shortstop. Um, doesn't have a great range. They moved him over, moved him over to third base where he did so much better. But then you're talking about like the offensive requirements for third base are just so much different. You usually want someone who is a lot better at the hot corner there. Um, and so we're talking about someone who can you know make that step forward and be viable at third base and not you know especially because he's not have you know not an elite defender. So I think that he is you know still has room to grow and. Um, is if this breakout is legit with I think which I think it is, he could just keep moving forward. Yeah, I think um, you know, I'm I'm a big team contacts and and thinking about like, well, you know, Red Sox already have like a pretty good third baseman at, at major league level, but then thinking about like, you know, 
where where that's going to go. Um, and the Red Sox is always maybe this is because I'm a Orioles fan, but the Red Sox always seem like a team where like right when you think that they're dead in the water and they're going to be bad for like a very long time, they just figure out they got enough money, enough mm-hmm. pieces. They make enough trades, sign enough free agents, and all of a sudden it's like, nope, it's them and the Yankees again at the top of the charts. And it's just like, Jesus, when, didn't we just kill you guys off? Like, aren't you aren't you done? Um, and it seems like the Red Sox are kind of priming themselves for another one of those um, sort of situations where they're, they're clearing some. And, and whether you like who they signed and who they didn't sign and contract stuff, okay. But they seem like they're kind of, uh, from the minor league level, getting ready between um, what they've done with Lugo uh, what they've done, and I'm going to butcher his, his name, but with uh, Rafaela, um, as, as another guy that started to gain a lot of helium in last year, they have some pitchers. Brandon Walter um, is, is one of those guys. Obviously, we're starting to see it with uh, Tanner Hoke and, and Whitlock and some other guys that are already at the major league level. So they're just kind of there's some pieces that are at work. I think for me, the biggest thing that I I love that you highlighted here was I love seeing um, a position player that has made a like intentional change as far as their swing path or their mechanics with the team and then you see the results like play out like i i love that because that means that um the player is working with the team the team is identifying something so the team has investment in the player equally to what the player has uh with the team they've identified something it's something actionable and then obviously you love seeing the results so that's a big sort of like uh, uh underline that point to me um but yeah I, I think we always talk about hey if a guy can just hit more ball, i mean we we're just talking about yandy ds right if a guy can just hit more balls in the air wouldn't that be great um to see a player a young player actually be able to make that change that's always huge and i think from a value perspective with lugo like Jake broke down really well. I don't, I can't really add much more than what he, he laid out there. He did an amazing job. He had, he has a big year under his belts uh, in 2022 at high a, he comes out of the gates hot and this thing is going to skyrocket since people are just waiting for that validation that it was real. So I like that they gave him the cup of coffee at Portland. And yeah, if he, if he continues where he left off, his value is going to quadruple or more. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is take a real quick break, come back and finish up with Jake's uh, other hidden gem hitter. All right. And we're back. So Jake, uh, I know you got one more uh, guy on your list. Um, and yet again, a name I'm not familiar with, which I love to see. Um, there's a guy looks like he plays a little bit of every position. Um, so I'll throw it to you. Um, tell us about your your other hidden gem hitter. Yeah, so my other hidden gem hitter is a guy who was drafted in 2022, um, so technically a, a FYPD guy. Um, and Mike had taken some FYPDs in some really, really deep leagues. You never know. Um, but definitely someone to keep an eye on moving forward as he gets more professional experience. Um, this is someone that uh, I'm not rushing to, to roster right now, um, but someone I'm ready to pounce on as soon as he kind of like shows some growth. Um, and that's Ben Ross. And um, he was uh, drafted in the fifth round in 2022 out of Notre Dame College in Ohio, uh, where he absolutely like made a fool of some of some kids in his in his D2 league. Um, he wasn't on the Baseball America top 500 draft prospects list, 
um, but the Twins took him at 144 overall. In uh, you know, at Notre Dame College, he, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Like as you expect from um, a good prospect that came from a, a D two school. Uh, no offense to anyone in, in D two. I wish I could play in D two. Um, you know, he slashed three ninety three, four fifty three, seven forty seven, with with a twelve hundred OPS. Um, so you know, he had a good power numbers. He had fourteen home runs in fifty two games. You know, um, drove a lot of runs in and stole a bunch of bases. And then, you know, you're thinking, okay, like D2, cool. Um, You know, and then he went and played in the Northwoods League, which is one of the best uh, summer collegiate wood bat leagues. Um, You know, so you could get better competition there. Guys from like all over the place, um, not just in his like small D2 conference. And he was maybe the best hitter in the Northwoods League in 2022. He slashed 421, 503, 649 uh, within a 1152 OPS. Um, Still got to really good power, hit 10 home runs in 42 games. Um, and he had a really good plate approach there in the Northwoods League, too. He had a 13.8% strikeout rate and a 13.3% walk rate. So, um, you know, he got better as he faced better competition. Um, and I think that, you know, the Twins obviously see something in this kid to take him at 144 overall, um, you know, out of a D2 school someone who wasn't really talked about going into the draft by anyone really. Um, And then they promoted him to low a where he got some time uh, last year before the end of the season, he had 89 plate appearances and um, you know, really held his own Um, as we talked about before. Like, you know, he, he was 21 at low a, so he's a little old, but he's coming out of college. Um, You know, he had 134 weighted runs created plus and, you know, 189 ISO. So still kind of showed that power, uh, hit three homers. And, um, you know, obviously the slash line isn't going to be as insane as, as where it was, but still respectable, uh, 257, 371, 446, um, still a really solid slugging percentage there. Um, you know, and he walked a ton, uh, struck out a little bit more than usual, but, you know, as he went from his D2 competition to the wood bat league competition and then the high a or to low a, um, you know, he kept that competitiveness. He didn't like fall off the face of the earth when he got to low A. Um, and it's clear how he can, you know, continue kind of making strides and, and being competitive. And, and this is someone who is like super low on lists, super, you know, not well known. He's very athletic. He's, he's like six one. Um, he has a really good build. Uh, he's at shortstop. Yeah, I guess that's where he was in, in college, but they've, you know, played him all around the infield. They're getting him some more play in the outfield. So it's kind of like a to be determined where he's going to end up, but he is a really good athlete. And, um, you know, I think I, I really want to see more of this kid. Like he was, um, he was ranked on the 29th on MLB pipelines, top twins prospect list. I, um, had not seen that list. I just went through the twins organization myself and started looking at guys and I ranked him 13th. Um, so I think that, um, you know, like I said, like he's only gotten to low way. He's faced some pretty bad competition, but, um, he wasn't overmatched when he got to professional ball. So looking forward to see him in, in 2022 and he could be someone that I pop, um, you know, pop on in, in fab and get, get on really quick. Yeah. I, like I said, not familiar, uh, love, love names that I don't know. So I can do some due diligence on my own. Um, and I saw that you had, you know, shortstop slash infield slash outfield. So I was curious about that as well. Um, and, and I appreciate how you explained it. It sounds like, and and maybe you know, maybe you don't, or you can hypothesize with us. Um, it sounds like 
the twins are in on his bat and really are just trying to find a way for him to bring as much right kind of like the dodgers model right of just like if you can play two or three positions then we know we can get you in our lineup you know i potentially at some way shape or form instead of having to worry about oh you're blocked because we already have a player that plays this position or you're blocked because you can't play that position it sounds like they're trying to get him that run early um so that he has that sort of utility bat we can kind of throw you anywhere we know that you're going to hit and you can feel you know well enough right and sometimes when you see a guy kind of playing all over the place trying different positions at like lower levels of minors it's because like he's not a good defensive shortstop you know he's not a good defensive infielder like Mm -hmm. moving to the outfield but like I've read multiple scouting reports that says that this kid is an exceptional athlete that he has you know really good athleticism has really good range and so it's you know like you said it's not necessarily that you know they're just like oh let's find this guy a position it's like let's um you know be more flexible with him, see where he goes, you know, the best, um, have that positional versatility, um, you know, because the Twins, like, they have a really loaded Major League roster, not saying that he's going to be there anytime soon, but um, they have guys that can kind of play infield and outfield, uh, multiple middle infield positions, they have lots of flexibility on their roster, um, that's probably something that they that they value, and so, you know, it's not that he's like, oh, we're trying to find him at home, it's that, let's see where else he can go, yeah. let's see, you know, where else he can play, and so I think that that's good to see, too. Yeah, optimizing for that athleticism um, and instead of just saying, you know, hey, we're just going to stick you here. If you can play multiple positions, why not? Like you said, especially at the low minors, why not give it a shot? And especially when you think about um, coming out of D2. So, again, competition wise, what what that particular school demanded of him, right, is different than if he was coming out of a power five school and, you know, knowing that their roster is probably a little bit more loaded. So you, you might be locked in a little bit more positionally. Um so, yeah, I think that that's all just that makes for a very interesting prospect to me. It's very unique sort of aspect of his background, his experience, what he's shown. Um, I love how you touched on the wood bat league. I don't think that's something that necessarily gets talked about enough of how guys make that transition or how they show up, whether it be Cape Cod, whether it be Northwoods um, in those summers in between uh, their college seasons, especially going into a draft year, how they look there can also help their draft stock in real life, which obviously can impact um, their, their fantasy value. So Ben Ross name to know. Yeah. Keep yeah I was work. looking into, I was looking into the Northwoods league a little bit as I was looking at Ben Ross and uh, cause there's like 80 college wood bat leagues, you know, and uh, sometimes it was hard to differentiate the kind of all run together. And so I was looking at the Northwoods league and it's, um, it's the biggest one and it's um, really competitive. And there's actually been, I, they're really proud of their alumni as they I've should seen be. The guys website. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. Like guys like Pete Alonzo and Max Scherzer, Lars Newbar was there for for a little bit, so you know this isn't some place where guys just go because they can't go anywhere else. Um, and he was he was the best hitter, you know. He had the he was like the best batting average, second base on second best on base, and like best slugging or something like that. So um, yeah, it's you know you could say like oh he was a D two guy, but the Twins shot him up their board. Twins, you know they they promoted him to low A, and um, I think it'll be it'll be good to see where he goes now. I think I think uh, some managers that. Let's face it, sometimes we have limited time with our prep and our research, and they'll see, oh, this guy went to D2. There are so many good players that came out of D2. To me, that's not a huge knock. I mean, it's certainly something to consider, like Jake had laid out, but not a, not a, you know, not a deal breaker. And um, I'm just curious, Jake, when would you kind of, or what kind of statistics would he have to be kind of showing for you to kind of make him a must-add, I guess, in all your formats? Yeah, sure. So I think 
if he gets a um, you know a full season, I think the biggest thing is, is playing time that I want to see first. Is he playing consistently? Um, whether that's at, I assume it's going to be at low A to start, and and he can, should get a good sample there. Um, but it'll be a plate appearances. How consistent is he playing? And then the power um, and the strikeout rate and the approach, right? Because he's had a really good approach and he's had really good slugging percentages. And the slugging kind of held, and so did the strikeout rate in low A. And so if that holds, if he's striking out around twenty percent of the time, slugging like four fifty and up. Um, you know, then you've got someone that, you know, isn't sacrificing a ton to get to the power. And, um, you know, so I think like the playing time, the confidence in him, maybe if it gets a promotion after like 250, 300 plate appearances, um, if he gets to high A by the end of the season, I will be looking at him more. So I think probably like mid season would be when I'm making the decision on him. If everything looks good, um, if he's going to keep it up with the approach numbers and the, and the slugging percentage, I think I'll be quick to jump on him. And, it, and, uh, I think it's just fascinating just from a real MLB perspective, how like you had laid out very nicely here, he was not even on the top 500 of, of baseball America's rankings yet. They were worried someone else was going to take him and they jumped him up at 144. Uh, you laid out the position flexibility. It seems like they're kind of looking at him as a springy athlete that can be a utility man that they can get under slot and push up to the major leagues in a quick quick time period so it'll be interesting to see how he develops in a team that's developed a lot of good bats yeah i'd love to know the scouting story there who found this kid <laughs> yeah you know? like what yes. what were the what were the, the scouts telling the the front office there right, with the twins that they were like hey you got to get this guy you got to push him up you know um that's when yeah you'd love to be a fly on the wall there for sure Lucas is going to talk to his source, uh, his AOE scout. <laughs> That's his source. Not, no, I'm joking. <laughs> you just, you just got to show up to the Arizona Fall League, right? You, you know, just go go find these guys. There you go. Lucas. That's uh, funny enough. That's actually where I had heard of Axel Sanchez from a, a huge uh, a Mariners fan. And uh, uh, Sam, he, uh, he does some work with Friends of Fantasy Benefits Dynasty uh, podcast. But no, he... Uh, he was talking up Axel Sanchez and these things have a snowball effect. You know, you, you kind of hear about him once check into him. You hear some other smart person talk about him. The next thing you know, you have a Matt Mervis on your hands. There you go. If we can all, we can all only hope that all these guys turn into uh 2022 Matt Mervis and then we'll be living high on the hog. Absolutely. All right. Um, that's the show. Uh, we'll have obviously all the names in the show notes as usual for you guys to do your own research and, and take a look at. Um, want to throw it to Lucas one more time so you can do a little promotion about DC Dynasty and anything else that you might be working on. Yeah, so as far as DC Dynasty, um, I just finished up all my position tiers and, and some starting pitching uh, rankings. Um, rankings are kind of cool just for me to talk about the player and for someone to think about him. I obviously nobody really drafts strictly, you know, one by one. I hope they don't at least, but anyways, you can feel free to check those out. Um, I'm going to, I'm actually been working on some dynasty rankings as well. Um, I think dynasty rankings are, are a decent starting point to use for some things, um, but certainly can have some flaws, but I do kind of want to put those out since I know people love dynasty rankings. Um, so I'm hoping to get those out before opening day. So that's my current project for DC Dynasty. Sounds awesome, Jake. Uh, anything that is your your back with us 
um, off the off the IL? Anything that you have coming up? Uh, well, I'm actually I'm about to go right back on the IL because I got uh, I was out last week because my wisdom teeth were giving me hell, and I'm having the surgery tomorrow, so I will be zonked absolutely out of it for a day or two. Um, so uh, nothing immediate coming up. Um, probably chatting with with the pitcherless dynasty team, uh, dynasty manager soon to kind of see what, what I'm going to be going doing in season. Um, so you can get any consistent articles on the, on the schedule and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, just looking forward to contribute more to the pitcherless dynasty team because like it's, it's grown really quickly, you know, in the off season, we've done a ton of, uh, a ton of rankings and got all our prospect lists up there and whatnot. And, uh, you've been put, we've been putting out some, some really good articles on, um, you know, Matt Heckman has wrote a couple of them recently, like the prospect, you know, potential prospect busts and um, some prospect profiles. So just kind of continue contributing to that and, um, you know, making pitch a list a place to go for, for dynasty content. Yeah, uh, I can't agree um, anymore. Uh, on my end, I don't have anything immediate, but um hoping to lock in uh, having a, a consistent uh, minor league pitcher and player of the week uh, yet again ho- hopefully we'll have the uh the space and the ability to bring that back because that was really fun for me to write up on a weekly basis kind of who was sticking out um it was a way to find guys like Axel Sanchez Cal Manzardo that's where I first uh, came across Cal Manzardo uh very early on so I like to use that as a resource um for not only myself but for you all to um possibly you know find some of these hidden gems some of these diamonds in the rough early before they start catching a lot of helium in the off season as people do their sort of seasonal recap. Um, so um, hopefully we can get that cemented. So um, I can watch a bunch of MILB.TV games and, uh, and then write about what I see for you all. Um, as always, want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our Picture List pods on the Picture List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Picture List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. Jake, they can find you. And you can find me on Twitter at Jake Mache, M-A-I-S-H. Lucas, can they find you on Twitter? Are you on Mastodon? Where are you at? Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at LucasBeery33. Uh, that's spelled L-U-C-A-S-B-I-E-R-Y for my first and last name. Awesome. And with that all being said, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>